Um, all right, so I'll do the intro and then we can get started. Great. This is, I think this is going to be fun. I really hope so because yes. this is how I'm spending my Friday night. Crazy. <laughs> this episode of Off My Shelf contains coarse language and adult conversation. Listener discretion is advised. My name is Tracy James and welcome to Off My Shelf, a podcast about movies that are well off my shelf, where we go through my DVDs and talk about the movies in my collection. In this episode, Jamie Cochran joins me talking about two movies with proper names in the title that are highly stylized and released in December 2004. These movies have a lot in common. Lemme Snicket's A Series of Unfortunate Events and Life Aquatic with Steve Zizou. Welcome! Thank you. You already told me something I didn't know. I didn't realize both of these movies were 2004. Yeah, I only actually, that Yeah, I actually only realized that today when I was writing up the intro because I always look for things in common so I can like say something about the two movies and whatever. And yeah. then I was just like, this is 2004, this is 2004. I'm like, interesting. I wonder if they're released at the same time. Yeah, they were both Christmas movies. Really? Um, yeah, uh, well... Okay, Life Aquatic was released on Christmas, and uh, Series of Fortune Events was released a week earlier. So, wow, yeah, what a coincidence! That's crazy. I know. Yeah, I did not know that. I did not know that until I looked it up like 20 minutes ago. So, we did right. it. <laughs> like, that's all there is to say now. <laughs> exactly. We're like, and we're done. We're done here. Yeah, <laughs> I have no idea. That's wild because I think there are some. I mean, they're they're. It, it's interesting that they're paired together in in more ways than just that. Like, I think there are some other similarities between the two. Uh, yeah. yeah, and uh, rewatching both of these, like I, I like. So, Life Aquatic, I think, as the same with you, is my favorite Wes Anderson movie. Um, even with everything he's released after, and his movies continue to be great, except for Darjeeling Limited. It's still my favorite movie by him. Um, and a series of unfortunate events, I rewatched it because I had watched the t- uh, the first season of the TV show. I didn't watch the second season, which I really should get back to. I keep saying I will. Um, but watching the movie, I'm like, I really like the movie too. So I was very happy with this whole, this whole rewatching process was very great for me. Yeah, I, I, I was trying to think, it, there's three seasons, I think, in this series, right? Okay. Um, I'm not, not 100% I feel sure. like I only watched two. I don't think I finished it, mm-hmm. um, but I should. I liked it. I just, yeah. I, I didn't finish the series. Um, you know, it's a bit, for, for me, a bit of a toss up between um, Fantastic Mr. Fox and Life Aquatic. They're both like two of my I do favorites. love them. Yeah. Fantastic Mr. Fox is amazing. But all Wes Anderson movies are amazing. I like them all. I have not watched French Dispatch yet. Ooh, I have. Yeah. Have you? Yeah. I actually really enjoyed it. It's actually not even that long of a movie, but watching it, it feels long in a good way. Like, it's just so much stuff happens because it's broken up into like vignettes, right? It's, it's, Mm -hmm. it's four, I think it's four stories or five stories put together as like one thing. 
right? Um, because it's it's technically it's based on articles from the last issue of the French Dispatch, which is a it's a magazine that they put out, and um, so they they do these last bunch of stories and just like. I guess it's the usual Wes Anderson thing where there's just like a lot of detail and a lot of um, dialogue and a lot of just general like content to like visually and, you know, audibly and all that kind of stuff put together. And each story is just so different, but the same, you know what I mean? But just so well done that you're just like, at the end of it, you're just like, this has to have been like four hours, but it was so good. And it was like an hour and 45 minutes. And I was like, what? This is crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've been meaning to watch it. I think Sean mentioned yesterday that it's, it's on Disney plus now. So uh, Ooh, I might yes. tonight, depending what time we wrap up here, but um, yeah, uh, I'd like to watch that. But I, I assume just based on what I've heard from other people that that's probably not going to replace Life Aquatic or Fantastic Mr. Fox's no. favorite movie. No, it's not. <laughs> I can still say that confidently. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, I like... Um, actually, one that a lot of people forget about is Isle of Dog. Which yes, I like that. I movie. love Isle of Dog. Like, um, I think that's the only Wes Anderson movie I haven't seen in the theater besides Bottle Rocket because that was his first movie and I'd never heard of him before. Yeah. Um, I saw him in theaters. Yeah. Oh yeah. I definitely saw this in theaters too with my brother and a friend of his who at the end of the movie was like, that was lame. The claymation was crappy. And I was like, I hate you. I don't, I don't know why we know you. This makes no sense. Hopefully he's not listening to the show today. (laughs) He's like, I hate that guy. Fingers crossed. I don't know. Uh, Uh, but yeah, no, I, I really like both of these movies and I mean, a series of fortunate events does, well, no, actually both of these movies has a couple of things where you're just like, but also they have aged in a way that doesn't make you like, oh, that's bad. They shouldn't have done that because it actually still fits with the whole, uh, like story well and like the character, so, but we can get into those things later. It's fine. Sure. Whenever you like, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I guess let's start with a series of unfortunate events. Um, yeah. I, okay. like I, I don't even know how to start with this one. I just really liked it. I, um, so I can't even remember. Like, I know I watched it before and it was, I think, a long time ago. But I couldn't really remember. Like, I I knew what happened because I had watched the TV series, you know? Like, I, I, I don't know. It was just, like, my memory of it wasn't very good. And so I rewatched it um, last weekend. But I had thought I didn't like this movie. Oh. And then I rewatched it, and I was like, I, it's a fine movie. Like, I, <laughs> I don't know why I thought I didn't like it. And I wonder if it was, like, when I was going into like watching the series, I really didn't think I'd like the TV series. And maybe that somehow got confused in my mind to me thinking back on it. Like, Oh, I thought I wouldn't like the TV series because I didn't like the movie and I just forgot, but I did like the movie. Mm-hmm. So yes. <laughs> I, like, I really thought I didn't when I agreed to do this. I was like, they're perfect. One movie I love, one I don't, but I actually <laughs> 
I mean, I, I no, I didn't have to. I didn't have quite have the same feeling. I really thought rewatching this, I would hate it because I liked the TV show. But what really happened was I watched it and I was like, wait, isn't this scene missing? Wait, what happened to this scene? And then I realized, no, those scenes were in the TV show, not the movie. Yeah. Because they told the, 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 the story more cohesively and they followed the books more. Whereas it the movie kind of like, yeah. yeah, like they chopped up pieces of, what is it? Three books, put them in there and then like made that a movie because there was supposed to be a sequel, which actually turned into them just making the TV show instead. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Um, did you read the books? Have you read them? I have not read the books. Me no, neither. there's 13 books altogether. Um, mm. And like the 13th book is like, it's, a, it's the last book is called The End. So I'm assuming no more is coming out after that. Okay. Um, but the like, as I said, I haven't watched the TV show. So I don't know if, you know, at the end of season three, like it's the end or if they're going to do more stuff or whatever. But hopefully... That's where it goes. I don't know. Speaking of the end, Mm -hmm. (laughs) to to skip over the whole movie and get to the end. um, Like what, what was the point of like the spy glasses and everything and what felt like there was like a secret society and like none of that, like really, it kind of just ended. Like it was like they went and were sent off to their next the next person they were going to stay with and live happily ever after. But it was like, it felt like there was something more to the story with their parents and everything. And it just, because the movie was so short, um, just didn't get into any of that. Well, as far as I can tell, again, because there was supposed to be a sequel, like they put all those things in there for the sequel. And if mm-hmm. in the TV show, they definitely get into that whole spyglass thing and looking into like Count Olaf's like background and stuff a lot more. Okay. Um, so they, I mean, I guess if I finish watch the TV show, I'll understand it better, but there is an actual secret society in there, um, that were like, um, invest, they're investigators of something, I suppose. And, hmm. and yeah, and Count Olaf's the bad guy and all of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I have no answers for this because I haven't finished the TV show, only watched right. the movie, which is like, which is like a. I mean, if it's based on three books, it's what a quarter of the whole story. So, yeah, I, I felt like they could do more. Like, if we just focus on the movie and not the series, like as a standalone movie, it, it kind of mm-hmm. lacks like depth because it kind of like alludes to these things, but then it doesn't follow through on a lot of it. And it kind of just ends. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And because of that, yeah, it's true. It does seem a little bit superficial um but one thing i did really enjoy about it was especially the character of the kids like i know it's based on books maybe that's why the characters seem so well constructed and put together but i really really Mm -hmm. liked the kids in it and the fact that like like each of them have their own like unique ability and they know how to work well together um, and they get along, but like, but they, they complain to each other, but never bicker and they're not mean, but you know, right. they just, they just work really well as a team. And I really like those kids. Like, I just like them. 
it yeah i mean the two older ones for sure one of the things i don't like about the movie is the baby like the talking mm. baby i just don't like it at all and like her like special power is to bite things like it's just like it's weird and like i guess so i don't know there's just something about it i don't know how to describe it, it just seems really like and like she's just like talking and only they understand her like you know and it's just like i don't know there's something about it I just oh i had i had the opposite feeling for that it was like every time they did subtitles for her, i was like that's hilarious really i don't i don't like that like stop that i don't like it <laughs> It was it too. It's it's so like I don't know, almost too funny or like comedic for like I don't know what I wanted to be like. It's like Jim Carrey's already like the light-hearted character in it that's funny and br- like well not light-hearted that's the wrong word but like bringing that like comedic element in already mm-hmm. and so it just I don't know that it needed the additional character it felt like it was thrown in for like cuteness rather than like substance like i don't know oh that's probably that probably is what it was um as i said i haven't read the book so i can't really like compare the two or whatever Uh, one thing i did come across is the fact that um what's the boy's name uh well the boy in the series he is klaus klaus yes he's actually supposed to be like pretty much blind you know even though he likes to read oh. and stuff and he's supposed to wear glasses and i was reading they're like like this is one aspect in the um in the books that is completely wrong about the character and blah 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 blah, blah. somebody was complaining about it and they guess they like the book or something um but yeah but everything else about the characters were apparently exactly the same as the books based on what i read okay yeah so i don't know um, but one thing I did like about this movie is that every single scene in this movie has somebody who's like, oh, it's that person. Oh, it's that guy. Oh, I know her. It's like, <laughs> all right, what is happening? <laughs> Which I thought was really fun. Well, because even like the the like um, the acting troupe, like randomly Craig Ferguson and Jennifer Coolidge is part of it. What is up with that? Because I was looking at it, I was like, is that Craig Ferguson? Oh my God, that's Craig Ferguson. He doesn't even have a name. <laughs> Yeah, it's true. Yeah, there's like these bigger actors just like in the background. <laughs> like, maybe, I guess Jim Carrey just brings that with him. Like, it's like a big, like, he's a big name that like people just sign up. I don't know. People are just like, I just want to be on set and hang out for a little bit. All right, put yeah. on a dress and where's the makeup? All right, done. <laughs> they're there. Yeah. 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 Did find that scene like where they're all there on the stage and like, um, what's her name is um what's the girl's name again uh the girls violet yes violet she's Um, emily browning she um has to like marry count olaf is like i don't know i didn't (laughs) which is a very it's very uncomfortable yes it's uncomfortable it's like i don't know like it's just she's just too young that it's like i don't know like i just felt like it was a weird scene. Well, yeah, he, she's supposed to be what, 14? Um, and he's what, like 50? I don't know. Um, and he's like, well, I'm going to marry you. And everybody's just like, I mean, the kids are like, ew. And everybody's like, it's a play. I'm like, but even in a play, even if she's acting, that looks really wrong. And you're like, oh, yes. that's not right. Yeah. 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 It was weird. That yeah. part was weird. 
I mean, it seems to be a weird thing going through the last couple of movies I've like talked about on here because um, what was the last one I did? Um, yeah, like Labyrinth that happens um, where it's like David Bowie and the girl and he's all just like leering at her all the time. And I'm just like, don't know. <laughs> Don't do that. This makes me uncomfortable. Also in like legend with um, the Lord of Darkness and, and, and the girl in that as well. And you're just like, you're a old omnipotent being and she is a child. Can we not do this right now? Thank you. Yeah. And now this one. Apparently this is a, uh, a regular theme. Uh, I don't know. Is it just like that newer movies don't do that at all that I'm not used to it that I'm like uncomfortable with it? I don't know. Like, you know, it just... I, I don't know. I find... Uh, this is going to sound creepy and weird, but um, apparently incest is the new thing that makes me uncomfortable because it seems to be showing up a lot since, um, well, since Game of Thrones, for example. And I'm just like, why Why is this being normalized? Please, can we not do this? I don't um, know that is being normalized. <laughs> quote, unquote, you know. But, like, they're presenting it in, in things more often. And I'm just like, no, like, why is this necessary? Yeah, because yeah, like it's it's looked down upon, of course, and all of the things you're like, this is, yeah. is wrong. Don't do it this. wasn't sexy in Game of Thrones. <laughs> no, it definitely was not. It was it's very cringy. Um, but at the same time, I'm like, why does why is this a topic that's coming up in all of these things all of a sudden? But it's just ugh, it's all kinds of wrong. Yeah, incest is making a comeback for. <laughs> really bizarre i don't know <laughs> it's like we're back in the 1700s again Woohoo! yeah i don't know uh <laughs> we've, we've gone from child brides to incest um I don't... it's like i started at the end of the movie and i'm working my way back yes <laughs> <laughs> i'm not sure why yeah <laughs> but what it's like but we're even working from that scene like i just found it so weird well i guess throughout the whole movie the adults in this movie, it's not that they don't even listen to the children. It's the fact that they're so inept and so incompetent at everything about being an adult that you're just like, what is wrong with you? Yeah, I wonder, like, I it, like it's kind of, I mean, I haven't read the books, but, like, it's really, like, the story is told from the kid's perspective. So it makes sense that it would, like, exaggerate that, right? Because, like, as a kid, it just seems like nobody's listening to you and everyone's just, like, thinks they, they're smarter than you when that's really not the truth. And I, I just feel like it was supposed to be from the child's perspective. So they really emphasized that. Okay, that makes sense. I don't know, because I always think about it as being from Lemony Snicket's point of view. Um, and, you know... Based on all of this, I have a feeling Lemony Snick is actually Klaus, but I don't know. Um, they never really explained who he is or whatever. Whoa. 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 My blown. I never thought of that. I mean, I just, having not read the books, felt like I was also really confused about that character. I'm like, mm. what? what is he? Who? Who is he? And, I, and it's never explained. There's no, like, he doesn't appear in the story itself, right? Like yeah. how he got how he's writing about it um so yeah that's interesting that you said that because I I don't I that was something I was like watching it I was like I don't understand like I feel like I'm missing something because I didn't read the book 
Well, and, and that's the, well, cause even, so the TV show does the same thing where Lemony Snicket is this like omnipotent character just yeah. telling the story. Right. Yeah. And as far as I went within the, the series, they didn't explain who he was either, but like based on what they're saying and stuff, he is somewhere in the story. And then rewatching this movie, when they keep cutting back to, to Lemony Snicket, who's portrayed by Jude Law and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if he actually portrays him or if he just does the voice. Because in the credits, it just says voice. Yeah, you never see him. I didn't yeah. know it was, I didn't really realize it was Jude Law until I looked it up. Oh, no, I recognize his voice immediately. I should have, but I'm dumb. <laughs> <laughs> One of my first notes is I love Jude Law narration, also done in Grand Budapest Hotel. I love his narration in both of these movies. It, they're, it's so good. Um, but, uh, but yeah, at the end of the movie, when he's like putting together his manuscript and stuff and like sending up the string, there's a part where he pulls out the spyglass, you know, and looks at it oh. and then puts it away. And I was like, and it made me sit up because it's like, because the, the way the scene before it sets it up, I'm just like, is he hinting that he's Klaus? Like, that's yeah, you're what right. I got from it. Really so. Klaus. Oh. I feel like we need to watch the last season of the show <laughs> <laughs> to figure it out. Or read the book. know what's going on oh. in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> There's little clues in there. They do it. It's fine. Um, but yeah, like, so, I mean, I just find it, I just find it interesting. I really do. But they, they definitely, like, I see what you mean where they put all these clues for all these things, but there's no answers because there's no sequels. There's no anything to fill all that stuff in. Right. Yeah. 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 I felt like it was building to something and then nothing Mm -hmm. happened. And then they like got the letter from their parents and even the letter didn't really say anything about where they even were you know because they had traveled abroad and like didn't send this letter and like all this stuff right and like i don't know there there was it was like all this mystery and and nothing was explained in in any way (laughs) yeah exactly but I, i think that's the problem with the movie they emphasized all these mysterious things a little too much so you got too invested into the mystery and it was no closure it wasn't just like you know, a little detail sprinkled here and there kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's not like, I think as a, the movie as a whole is fine, but it doesn't really stand up as a standalone movie. You really do yeah. need, you needed the sequels to like put it together and you to be like, oh, it's a, it's this. this Agreed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's maybe why I didn't like, maybe I didn't like the movie the first time I watched it because of that and then now I've watched the series and gone back and I was like oh I like this I don't know why I thought I didn't like it and maybe that's why because it was just like I felt like what is this yeah <laughs> it's like not it's not finished yes and, yeah and yeah. the ending too it's like doesn't leave it's like there could be a sequel but it's kind of like the way they did it it's like they're driving off to the sunset and then they were like and then everything was fine from there on in kind of like narration and it was like the end and i just didn't feel like really no it wasn't because didn't they say something like like count olaf was made to go through all the trials and stuff but then he escaped from them Mm -hmm. um so then they're going off to their new home but yeah. Count Olaf is still out there, essentially, is what they were saying. Yeah. Um, I don't know. 
I don't always pay attention. <laughs> <laughs> like, great, it's over. <laughs> You're like, and done. Off you go. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And like the movie is surprisingly gruesome for a quote unquote kids movie too. Oh my I, God. Yeah. So much death. <laughs> there's so much. There's death by fire, poisoning, suicide, and somebody being eaten alive. Yeah. Um, that is, that is a lot in there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which I was just like, oh, wow. Okay. That's, mm-hmm. It really only works as like a kids movie because of Jim Carrey. Like, otherwise, it would be so, too dark, like for kids, you know. Well, uh, the the movie itself is actually quite muted in like tones and colors and stuff. There's no, there's yeah. no like sunny days. No, no, no. it's very, um, very dark, and the the characters are all kind of dark like you know and like the mm-hmm. the aunt who's like clearly unstable and like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know just like all the characters are not sunny happy characters like even the uncle like I mean he he's the happier one I think in the movie like mm-hmm. the lighter one but it's still like he's got this weird kind of like obsession with snakes which is kind of dark and like you know what I mean like mysterious and um yeah there's no real like sunny happy (laughs) characters in in the movie Mm -hmm. which I like I like how dark it is well well and that's the, the thing about the the uncle as well is that he he explains to them how he knows how they feel and that's because what he said is like his wife and his childhood died or whatever. And he, yes. he understands that. Um, yes. And they, they also died in a fire. So yes. he was like, we're going to Peru because the best way to get over thing is to like get away and go on an adventure is, is essentially yeah. what he says. And they're like, well, how do you understand this? And he says this, this, like, it's not like a ongoing drudging tale or whatever but he's just like well i've lost people too my wife and my my child was killed in a fire as well mm-hmm. and they're like so i know how you feel and they're like oh okay let's do that then I'm like all right yeah and and the um the aunt's husband died in a fire so no he, well. he's the aunt no he got eaten by um the leeches Oh, was he, he was investigating the fires. Yes, he was investigating the fires. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Yes, the leeches. What a way to go. (laughs) (laughs) You have to wait exactly an hour after eating or else leeches will eat you. I I will always follow that rule now. (laughs) Only in eel infested waters. I mean, you'll just get cramps if you go in other water, you know, but it's. Yeah. Yes. Um. So, you know, like they kind of, they bounce between all these different houses they live in throughout the movie. Which one was like kind of your favorite one or to watch? Like, oh, the reptile house for sure. The reptile house? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) I did like, so technically they've only, they only go into three, four houses. So it's their house before it burns down. Mm -hmm. Um, Count Olaf's mansion or whatever you want to call it. Um, the uncle's house and then the aunt's house it's, it's yeah. the four of them um, and the aunt's house is pretty like I mean I don't know what you call it when you have like a fear of everything like I don't I don't know what that's called um, but she has that so her house anxiety. is very like 
It's, it's just anxiety. We're just going to call it that. Okay. <laughs> um, so, so her house is just kind of like regular push to the side and stuff. But um, the uncle's house, um, which is, uh, what is it? It's from the book called The Reptile Room, because reptiles. Like, that's the, the one place, too, that has, like, a bit of color, because everything is green, like a nice, yeah. solid, vibrant green that's opposite to everything else that you've seen so far. And um, I don't know, it's just, like, a really nice space. I'm not a huge fan of snakes and stuff, but, you know, I could, I could be in there. I, I could do that place. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, definitely not count Olaf's place. Uh, that place is, I'm not the neatest person ever, but even I was just like, ew. Uh, like that kitchen, don't wash those dishes. You just throw it out. That just goes yeah. in the garbage. All of that just yeah. goes in the garbage. Like when, when they were like cooking out of the urn and they're just like, oh, we'll just, we'll just triple wash it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wasn't it, a, it wasn't a spittoon. Oh yeah. Which yeah. is 10 times worse. Yeah. And they, they, what they boiled like random pasta that was like in a drawer, just about. Yes. Or something. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I, uh, I, I really enjoyed those scenes, like in Count Olaf's house. Like I, yeah. I enjoyed all of those the most, I think. Well, I think just, it's just because Jim Carrey does a really good job embodying that like um, false friend creepy mm-hmm. eccentric dude kind of thing yeah yeah because i found his troop very creepy like they were quiet yes. and just kind of stood around in the background they like fell asleep at one point they yeah. just <laughs> don't really do anything or say anything yeah but that's why i thought it was so weird that you had like recognizable faces as these people you're like you're yeah. not doing anything why are you here <laughs> it could have been like random dude off the street here just sit in the corner done it's true yeah i don't know i have no idea why (laughs) but it's great (laughs) yeah i mean it did it made the movie even a little bit more interesting because i kept i was just like is that cedric the entertainer is that dustin hoffman is that craig ferguson i was like what is why are these random why are these people here yeah yeah for sure yeah um what else do we want to talk about on this one? Oh, um, I wanted to ask a question. Oh, sure. So uh, I don't even remember why I came up. Something about an irrational fear comes up in the movie. Um, oh, her fear of like the doorknob randomly exploding out of nowhere was like her rational, irrational yeah, fear yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Do you have an irrational fear? Um. Yeah, I mean... I don't know, like, if are they irrational? It's hard for me to say they're <laughs> They're rational to me. It makes sense that yeah. I am afraid of them. But I don't know, like, I don't like flying or heights. Like, Oh, no, those are rational fears. Those are okay. rational fears. Some say they are irrational. <laughs> okay. I don't know. My, I have an irrational fear of lava. Um, I know it. Yeah, like well, that would kill you if no, you were around. It, but but that's the thing. I have never been around or in a place where I could be consumed by lava in any way. But yet, I have a thorough, irrational fear of it. I don't. I would. I don't know. Is that why you didn't come to Hawaii? No. 
No. I don't know, like, that is something that, like, will kill you, like, that makes sense, whereas, like, I also, I don't like the sound, I don't know if it's a fear, maybe it's not a fear, but, like, the sound of, like, forks hitting people's teeth. Oh. (laughs) It's, like, to me, it's just, like, I cannot stand it, it drives me crazy when somebody is, like, eating and, like, hits the fork against their teeth. clink. I don't know if that's a, it's not a fear, but it's irrational. Like, like that it just I, gets on your it nerves. bothers me that much that I like can't function or eat. <laughs> it's too much for me. You're just like, I put down my fork and I walk away from the table. <laughs> I'm just done. Do I'm just done. Or I scream at that. <laughs> <laughs> don't you know where your mouth is? Just put the food in there. Put it in. Your teeth don't have to hit the fork. <laughs> Um, but I don't know if that's a fear, but mm. other than that, I don't know. I guess I'm not that afraid of too many things, just heights and, and flying. I don't yeah. like, I don't like it. I take a lot of drugs when I fly. I, yeah. Fun in a way, I, I guess. Well, cause like one of the reasons why one of the most common fears is heights or flying is because people are born with two fears and it's what it's, it's a fear of loud noises and a fear of, of falling or like. A yeah. reaction when you fall right yeah so I think that just automatically just stays with you and it stays stronger with some people than other because it's <laughs> not really I don't think it's really a fear of height I think it's really a lot of times it's a fear of like it's falling from the height not the yeah, I don't want to fall from there yeah exactly exactly you know? yeah so, for sure yeah I get that that's why I think it's completely rational those are those are rational okay. fears. I don't know what an irrational fear is like I, I can't think of one because they, they all are rational in some way. Like to me, my fear of lava is irrational because I don't know where it comes from and it makes no sense to me. I've never been you near know, lava. Honestly, Tracy, never... if I was like going to go somewhere and there's lava, I'd be afraid too. Like, you know, but like I'm at home right now and there's no lava. So I don't have any fear right now of lava, but I would if it was coming my way. Slowly creeping towards you. Yes. Yeah. It's not that slow. It's true. It's like a what wave. Was it? uh, there were there's volcano. Is that the one that takes place in Los Angeles? Yeah. I still I always remember the scene where the guy is on like the train and he's getting everybody off and they're like the conductor still at the front and the guy runs and gets the conductor but by the time he gets to the back the lava's like past it and he tries to like jump and but he lands in it but saves the conductor but he dies and he like melts into the lava. And it's yeah. like a really overdramatic, shitty scene. But oh my God. The first time I saw that, I was just like, and the fear is back. Okay. So, so is that like the first time you felt the fear? Oh no, I've had this. Trying? Oh no, then I've why, had this fear since I was very Because to get over the fear, I watched that and Dante's oh, Peak. They came you up the same thought that year. was going to help you get over the fear? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Okay. What you do, okay? You have to face your fears, what they tell you, and that's what I tried to do. Yeah, yeah. but no, okay. do not enjoy well, it. It's a good movie. I like that movie. I haven't seen it. <laughs> I, I, you probably don't like it anymore if you watch it again. To be honest, I really liked that movie when I was younger. I thought it was funny. Yeah. <laughs> um, you and we had very different reactions to it at the time. Obviously, yeah, I think so. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you know, I used I. I, I've had nightmares since I was a kid of tornadoes. I've just always um, been afraid of that. I always had nightmares about it. 
Um, mm-hmm. But I, I don't know. Is that irrational? Like, it's, like, have you ever been anywhere where there's a tornado? Have you been stuck oh, yeah, in a tornado? Lots, lots of times. Yeah. You've been stuck in a tornado lots of times? Inside the tornado. But when there is one like outside somewhere, yes. <laughs> it didn't take me up into it. Like. Uh, yeah we get them a lot at my cottage like it happens quite a bit they're not okay so then I would think that's rational because they're they're there they've been around you I think we need someone else to come on this show and tell us what (laughs) the rational fear is because we got nothing we don't know I I don't know I got okay because apparently my fear of lava is rational, which I never thought it was, but okay, if you say so. Crazy, everyone's afraid of lava when they are faced with <laughs> I don't know. I've seen pictures of those dudes who walk up and take a sample and like, or take a picture of it, and, you know, or cook a hot dog in it. And they think it's hilarious. Um, I don't know. I did see lava when I was in Hawaii. I went to, um, um, not a like a science center type place and and they actually had somebody come out in a hazmat suit um and they like pour lava out in front of the audience yeah i would have been like nope mm -mm." you just get up and leave yeah (laughs) i would not have enjoyed that. like a pail of lava it wasn't like enough to like sink the place like Mm -hmm. you know (laughs) Uh, still not okay okay yeah no we don't have to talk about lava <laughs> okay because <laughs> like i you know like i'm afraid of tornadoes or heights or planes or whatever but i can still talk about them mm-hmm. but um i could like i can't talk about like plane crashes and stuff i can't i have to leave the room like i um i can't talk about it so you've never seen movies like alive or well i've seen them and mm-hmm. probably why i don't like <laughs> I have seen alive. Yeah. You you have to have that discussion with your friends. Like if you're in a plane crash and, you know, people died, whose butt would you eat first? Like that's just a discussion people have sometimes. I I mean, you don't even need to discuss it. It feels like a no-brainer, right? <laughs> well, how is that a no-brainer? How well, is that a no-brainer? If you're going to survive, you got to eat what's around. I don't know. What's there to discuss? <laughs> which who are you eating first that's oh, the discussion well, whoever's dead i don't know like what if what if four people are dead you gotta pick uh, one out of my friends like my current friends like I you guess. need me to name somebody <laughs> you know steve what else i don't know you know why because he would think it's hilarious yeah it's <laughs> like start with my butt <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm glad we got to talk about that that's always fun um anyways okay off of irrational fears slash rational fears that you know I don't know we haven't figured that whole thing out yet it's fine um also there was a very unexpected cameo in this movie that I actually looked up and it is said that it is this thing that's in there. Blows my mind. Say that again? What? <laughs> There's a cameo in this movie. Yeah. So when, what is it? When the house is falling apart, I think, there was a boat under the aunt's house 
that the like pillar goes into and it blows up and there's a duck that goes like makes it makes a noise or says something and I was just like is that the Aflac duck like you know like the insurance company duck what (laughs) you've never heard of Aflac it's yeah. an insurance company. Oh. And their okay. mascot is this duck that goes around going Aflac. And it's I, voiced by um I don't watch TV, Tracy. I don't uh, watch any ads. <laughs> no, but look this, it up. no, but this thing has been around for like, well, maybe like 20 see. years. Oh. I've been around for 20 years. At least. Um, yeah, no, this duck does not ring a bell. What? <laughs> Well, anyways, that is the Aflac duck and the sound that. So it's just like um, product placement? No, like you can't. No, I just heard it and I was like, oh my God, that's the same voice as the thing. And then I looked it up and yes, it is. It's played by the same duck in 2004. He did both the ads (laughs) and this movie. It it has to do with the, the, the type of duck. And the, the voice, the sound that it makes. Okay. <laughs> it's very specific. Clearly, yes. That is very specific. Yeah. No I wrote idea. it down. I was, and then after it, I was like, was that the Affleck duck? Oh, my God, it is. Because I looked it up. Hmm. Wow. He doesn't yell Affleck or anything. Now I've said it like 800 times. They're getting advertising. It's fine. But I thought it was really funny. Well, I'll have to rewatch that part because I don't even remember a duck in there <laughs> it's it's like it's like a half a second yeah, yeah. i was probably looking at my phone <laughs> you're like and nobody cares <laughs> that's it's hard fine. to watch movies when you own a phone that's what i found it's oh. like i now like going to the movie theater just because it stops me from like looking at my phone like that's like because otherwise I watch a movie and I look at my phone like 4,000 times. It's true. Like when I'm home, even if I really like a show, I have to actually be like, Tracy, put your phone down. You're hmm. going to miss yeah. something good or something important. You know, like just yeah. put it down. But as soon as there's like, as people know, I watch things on TV. But as soon as there's an ad, I pick up my phone. I'm like, oh my God, I've missed all of the things in the last 10 minutes. I think that's it. It's like, I need that so that I take a break and look at my phone instead of missing stuff in the show or movie mm-hmm. uh, I'm really bad at it when it f- for comedies for some reason like I think with dramas a lot of the time like I'll get really into it and not be distracted but for some reason with comedies it's like and they're shorter because it's like a half hour it's like you you look down at your phone look back up and it's over <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, I just missed a whole 22-minute episode. Mm-hmm. I think, though, because comedies are just so light, like, you don't really have to visually pay attention to a comedy to get it, I find, yeah. most of the time. Like, yeah. you can listen to it and it's okay, but, like, with dramas, it's all about, like, nuance and, like, the scene and the the whatever's going on and, like, were they smiling when they said that or were they frowning when they said that? Well, you know, you have to, like, really see the thing that's happening to get like the real intense drama where yeah. a lot of comedies it's just like he fell down haha and you're like okay that's that's yeah it. yeah i get it yeah. <laughs> like it's fine <laughs> For sure. 
Well, I took that way off topic. Sorry. <laughs> it's fine. I was talking about a duck. It's okay. That's true. This is your fault. This is my fault. <laughs> the duck cameo. Like, what are you talking <laughs> So stupid. But at the same time, I looked it up. I'm like, and I was right. It just blew my mind. I can't, I can't help it. It's, it's okay. okay. No worries. No problem there. <laughs> um, what else was there? Um, Oh, there's a couple anachronisms in here, even though like the movie doesn't really officially set a time or, or era for this is, but like visually it's very specific, but there's a couple of, there's two specific anachronisms in the, the show that I was like, these seem out of place, but the way they did it works as well, which the two things were like um, Count Olaf having like um uh, a remote lock for his car, which I was just like, what the fuck? But also, yeah. okay. And then then there's the whole car phone thing. It's like an old timey phone, but in your car and you can call yeah. each other. That's those, true, yeah. yeah. Those were the two things that stuck out to me going like, should they have this in here? Are they just here for comedy reasons? I think it's just comedy. Uh, it's like so out of place that it's funny. Yeah. Because um, yeah, the, like when he beeps the car like it is really out of place it's almost like jarring and and funny because it's just you know I don't know there's nothing else kind of like that going on (laughs) well because his car looks like something from the 1950s maybe and you're just like a car from the 50s shouldn't have that should it yeah Mm, I don't think so (laughs) yeah um good scene though I like Mm -hmm. that scene a lot of suspense little predictable but (laughs) you know you like you know the kids are gonna live you know they're gonna live you know she's gonna start tying her hair up and save the day exactly that's that's how they work together love it i was also thinking though like when they break open that like smaller window Mm -hmm. in the front of the car like it could just reach their hands down and probably unlock the car from the outside I don't think she could have gotten her hand out the window. No? No. Well, because, uh-huh. so, so yes, I'm an old person, so I remember how these, these things work. Because those little triangles were vents, because there didn't used to be air conditioning. And they're at the front of the door, where your handle is at, down at the back of the door. Mm-hmm. So even yeah. if they could get their hand out, I don't think they'd be able to reach the handle. Right. I was thinking it was at the back for some reason. But, yeah, I guess that makes sense. Um, the little else made sense really like like they got the spring and it's like somehow able to like get that wrapped around it's very like cartoon like I found Mm. that scene where they have like you know like a woman like tied up like a million times lying on the tracks and somebody's trying to like get her off kind of thing you know not get it's like uh what is it vaudevillian or whatever kind of thing Yeah. yeah yeah But I think that's what's fun about the zine. It is that old-timey style kind of ridiculousness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I also think that's one of the reasons why the movie gets away with some of the things it does because it, it does have that like that non-modern, old feel, classic Hollywood kind of storytelling to it. You know, where everything's like overly dramatic 
you know, even even the narration is just like, oh, you you don't understand. Like these are truly unfortunate events because of blah blah blah. And you're just like, really? Are they? Yeah. But it's fun that way. Yeah, it is fun. Yeah. And then it's just kind of um, it's just so dark, like it, like visually, whereas you kind of think of like the Hollywood films a little like lighter, you know, just yeah. Yeah, like a lot of films right now are um, really saturated with their color. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not talking just like superhero movies, like, like, well, not the Batman. I saw the Batman the other day and God damn, is that movie dark? Like visually, it is yeah. just dark. It is it's, night it's all dark. the time. <laughs> but he doesn't, he doesn't have to do everything in the dark. Like what? He's a bat man. <laughs> Um, but like a lot of superhero movies, yeah, like there, it's a lot of saturated, bright colors and stuff, but even, you know, like period pieces or just like, uh, comedies, dramas, everything is just like this abundance of color everywhere. I mean, we're going to talk Wes Anderson soon and Wes Anderson is obsessed with like crazy color palettes. That's why it was so interesting to pair these together because they're so opposite in that way. Yeah. It's funny to to watch them back to back yeah they're both like um so highly stylized both of them that Mm -hmm. you're just like it's really interesting to watch how a style like a visual style can affect how you perceive and take in a like a story you know Mm -hmm. because like half of Wes Anderson's storytelling is the visual style that he presents and this movie as well, like Unfortunate Events, does depend a lot on the styling of the scenes, like the costumes and like the backgrounds and like the false perspectives and all that kind of stuff in it mm-hmm. um, is is really part of the storytelling. Like, like you know, like with with lots of movies where the the location is part of the like is another character in the story. I think both of these movies do that. For sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Life Aquatics, like, and visually, it's, it's so much to look at. Like, it's, you can watch that movie so many times and you won't see everything that's going on in the background. It's like each time I watch it, I pick up on something. And then um, Series of Unfortunate Events is like the, almost the opposite of that. It was just like very, like, dreary, dark. Like I think of the the house that the aunt lives in. It's like there's like hardly anything going on in the background at all. It's just like totally black and like yeah. dusty and like there's some cobwebs and like whatever, you know? And it's totally um totally opposite in that way, but then they, they both visually tells a story, uh, you know, in and of itself. And um, but yeah, life aquatic is just beautiful to look at. I just every time I watch it. It's, I forget things too. And then I watch it and then I get excited. Like the whale in the background all the time. Like they have the like pet whale (laughs) at their house. And then they're just like having a meeting and the whale is just in the background staring at them through a window. And he's just in the background the whole time. And I'm like, I forgot about that because I hadn't watched it in a while. And then like, you know, obviously like the Belafonte is just like this open like set basically and 
you can see all of the rooms at the same time. It's just like opened up and sliced in half. And like, it's just visually, there's just so much going on. It's like, it's like looking at, you know, one of those like really detailed puzzles and there's just so many, so many little pieces. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So I think we're talking about life aquatic now. Uh- <laughs> well, it's really what we're here for. It's, it's, I mean, <laughs> look, I really enjoyed a series of unfortunate events, but yes, yeah. we are really here to talk about Life Aquatic <laughs> um, because I love this movie and <laughs> watching it again today, it just solidified how much and why I love this movie. And I'm just, and you have just said like 10 things that <laughs> I absolutely agree with. And there are things that just make it fantastic yeah 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 like from the opening scene to the closing like to the end of yeah. the credits where sue george is singing you're yes. like what? yeah oh. yeah i mean the soundtrack is fantastic but that's i mean every wes anderson movie is like an amazing soundtrack but this one specifically i love mm. uh, saw sue george live doing an acoustic set of the David Bowie covers. And it was just like incredible to watch. And um, yeah, it's just, it's like the soundtrack's just so beautiful in this film. And it's, it's just, I love that he's just like sitting there in the background, just playing on like the boat, you know, and like just pops up once in a while. And it's just like, I don't know, there's just something so nice about it. I don't know, I just love watching this movie. It's so fun to watch. It is, yeah. like. I I mean, dialogue wise and like visually, it's just so, it's so rich, you know, like you just Mm -hmm. get so much from it. Mm -hmm. Um, And the characters are also, I mean, they're, they're classically kind of stunted, which is Wes Anderson. Like they're very abrupt in how they speak and and all that kind of stuff. But Mm -hmm. there's something about how the characters are presented in this movie that makes them more, like understandable or more whole in some way that you're just like I like all of you even though even if I'm not supposed to like you like all of you if you know what I mean yeah yeah you it's yeah it's hard to describe it's like it's not even like they they, he's they're not spending that much time on any one character. Like they're like, like one character is never like alone. Like, you you know, like they're always interacting with one another. So it's not like you're like, like empathizing with one character. It's like, like Jane, she's pregnant. Her like boyfriend who's married to somebody else has like ditched her and she's on her own now. And like, there's all this stuff going on, but it's never really like, the focus so you're never like like really like so close to her that you're like really empathizing with her but you like her yeah like want her to be okay and like I, I don't know it's like and same with like the the wife what is her name Eleanor mm-hmm. Eleanor yeah yeah I think so. um, you know and it's like she's kind of like this complicated character it's like you don't know whether to like her or not like her you know, but you do like, you know, without it ever being like, there's not like a ton of like, there's that one scene where you see her just like lying in bed, I think, like, and you just see her through the window and she's just smoking a cigarette because she's sad that like Ned died. And like, 
the the coffin oh, that's like the scene. yeah yeah like the funeral scene and like and it's just like you never really beside that like it's it's got to be like 10 seconds long it's not very long that you see that but like besides that you're never really like interacting with her as like the audience like you know what i mean it's not about her but then you see these like soft little moments and i don't know it just makes you like like all of the characters like you know what i mean even though she may have done things that would like make her maybe unlikable in other scenes and um i don't know but you, there's no bad person and there's no bad guy even um uh what's jeff goldblum's character's Tennessee. name um he, like he's even, he's even like you're not supposed to like him. He's like the rival, right? But you like him. Like it's like you just like everybody. Like <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I disagree with that last one because I'm sorry. As soon as he rolls up that paper and hits uh, the dog Cody, uh, I'm just like, <laughs> go fuck yourself. I don't like you. You are the worst Jeff Goldblum character. What the hell? Actually, no. The Igby goes down character is 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 worse. But yeah, no. I was real mad at that part. Um, but but they is... all left Cody behind. <laughs> they just abandoned him on an island. He is not the only bad one. Like I mean, to be honest, they were running from their lives and people were shooting at them. Um, but yes, and, I understand and what you mean. Steve is just like, we have to go back for Cody. And everybody just goes. <laughs> They just shake their heads like, no, like, we're, we're not, not doing going this. back for this three-legged dog. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I like, I mean, especially Eleanor, which I found, she's such a, a cool character too. Like just everything about her is just cool. But she's also very like stoic and standoffish. So those, so there's two scenes where you see her having like properly like emoting something. And it's, there's that scene with the coffin uh, falling. And then yeah. there's like the next scene where they cut and it's uh, Steve saying, this is the first time Eleanor's ever cried in front of me. Yeah. Um, and you're just like, oh my God, she does have feelings and, and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, but yeah, and like you just, you like, I think if anybody else played her, she would have just come across as bitchy, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But Angelica Houston does such a good job at, like, that balance of uh, a cool, calm demeanor without coming across, like, rude or aloof, you know? Um, yeah. And then when, so when the emotions come out, yes, it hits you, like, oh my God, like, she's emoting this is this is a big thing she but lost also yeah. yeah and but it's also not surprising that she would react that way you know yeah yeah and even like steve zizu himself he's he's kind of an asshole throughout the whole movie he's not particularly nice he's not no no great <laughs> i don't even think you're really supposed to like him no, but you're you're supposed to empathize with him, and and you do throughout the whole movie. Like you you kind of just get what he's doing and why he's doing what he's doing. Yeah, I I feel like it's like the movie is like you know it's kind of like meeting your hero, right? It just like never, never lives up to that standard, and like he's clearly supposed to be like 
everyone's hero, like even Ned's like from a young age was like writing to him and um, Jane followed him at a young age and like all of these characters who just like love him and idolize him. And then they're faced with who he like actually is, you know? And um, you know, there's like this scene where like, I think he, Ned says like, I think he says, I don't want to be a character in your film or I am a character in your film or I don't want to be a character in your film. I forget which one. No, in your I, movie. I don't just want to be a character. In your I film. just, I don't just want to be a character yes. in your movie. And then he was like, it's, it's, he says, it, it's not fake. It's a documentary. And it's like, you know, it's just like, so plays with like, what's kind of like real and what's fiction and how they've kind of idolized him and and they're all kind of characters in his movie which he thinks is like a documentary in his real life but it's like it's not it is just like totally made up yeah (laughs) you know and uh I I think that's so cool that like the whole movie plays with that and then that line is like just kind of sums it all up you know like it's And I also think that's one of the reasons why the scenes where the Belafonte is like cut in half and you walk around like it's like a play set work yeah. really well in, in with that because yeah. this is supposed to be real life. This is supposed to be what's really going on, yet you're you're clearly on a set and you're running around it, you know? And yeah, yeah you're you're telling people, we're just like, we're just telling you about the ships. So we're doing something cool. But the scene you're talking about is also at a part where the ship is cut in half and they're running around the ship, which yeah. is, it's visually stunning, but also juxtaposes what he's talking about completely. Right, because it's like, a documentary and yeah. it's, it's a set. Like, um, even the, the information he's, like, Steve is giving is inaccurate, like, most mm-hmm. of the time. And, like, he's talking about the electric jellyfish and they're not, that's not what they are. Like, he doesn't know. And whatever. it's like, yeah, it's just like, he's not really who he was perceived to be or everybody thought he would be. And it's not a documentary. It's a movie. It's not real. Like what he's doing. So. Yeah. Cause there's even like the part where they're like underwater and stuff and they swim up to something and they're not even filming it. And he's like, okay, um, so let's, let's do this shot, you know? And then the cameraman goes in front of them and like they swim back and they film them swimming back up and you're just like, really? Is this a documentary? This, this yeah. is, this is just filming some stuff. Like, right. yeah, it's not, it's not real, real. Yeah. Yeah, I think even like he has a moment with Ned at one point and then he wants Ned to like say what he said again to catch it on like film. (laughs) And it was just like this, like, you know, he's kind of like pouring his heart out to what he thinks is his father. Um, But he's just like, oh, wow, that was great. Do it again. (laughs) Uh, Can we talk about Ned Plimpton slash what Kingsley Zizou? <laughs> I love that part when he's like, I want to rename you. Yeah. He's <laughs> like, funny. I want to give you my last name. And he's like, Oh, like we could change your first name too, because I would have called you Kingsley. I was like, what? <laughs> what kind of name is Kingsley Zizu in the first place? It's just strange. <laughs> so good. Yeah. Um, but like uh, I love that character just so much. Because he, he, yeah, because he he starts off sort of like, 
not quite naive, but just, you know, like small worlds. Like, I, I don't want to say like, you know, backward or redneck or anything, but he just doesn't seem, he doesn't seem worldly. He seems like he's been a, in a small place his whole life. And, you know, even though he flies planes, it's just in Kentucky. So he's not really going that far. Um, so it doesn't seem like he's been places, but then, you know, especially with the confrontation with like Klaus and all that kind of stuff where he like, he's like, I may seem that way. I may seem too nice and I may seem like a pushover, but if you want to start with me, I will rumble essentially yeah. is what he said. Yeah. Um, and I, I just love, I love that about that character. I think too, it was, it's also like, maybe like Steve's perception of him is that he has not gone in, you're just like a little boy, right? Like mm-hmm. you're, you're my son, you're this little boy, like you don't know anything. And there was like that scene, I think they were eating dinner or something and like, they ordered wine and then see they like whoever the waitress came over to give it to Ned, the wine to like taste. And then Steve is like, he doesn't know anything about that. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> he's just sitting there like, yeah. you know, but it's like, it's never, you there, there's never any actual evidence that he doesn't know this stuff. It's just Steve just like deciding all of this based on his own like ideas of what, he should be or he is See, like I always thought that scene was just about Steve's pretentiousness or his perceived level of existence you know but now that you say it that way that he he's looking down on Ned that kind of like changes that scene for me a little bit because I always thought that scene was just like it was silly and funny he's full of shit but now it's just like no you're looking down on this person who is who has you on a pedestal essentially Mm-hmm. And yeah. that's kind of it's, sad. So much of it is just about the relationships between them all, right? Like it's yeah. I always find it interesting Wes Anderson's uh he's he's obsessed with father figures for most of his films. A couple of them are more direct than others, but I don't like I just don't I mean, I think I know where it comes from because, you know, all stuff like this always comes from someone's childhood and the relationship they've had with whoever they perceive their their heroes slash parental figures to them are and stuff. But he is definitely good at portraying these loving but broken relationships in, in all of these films. And you always understand both sides of the relationship and you always like both sides of the relationship, but you also see why they're flawed and why they're broken um, and why they don't always work. And I just, I just think that's good or well done. It's not good, mm-hmm. Good is the wrong word. They're just well done on film. Right. Cause it's, they're always just, it's complex, right? It's never just like a straightforward relationship it's like I don't know like something that has to be that's just not I don't know like not clear I guess and it needs to be like worked out it's mm-hmm. it's more complex than just like you know everything being fine even though it's like they're not negative like bad relationships like you know what I mean like you watch a movie where like the father is like physically abusive or like yeah. you know like verbally abusive it's it's never that it's like this subtle like com- 
complex like challenge of like that relationship which is like more real in some ways for like most people to relate to right because it's like most relationships are challenging and difficult and things you have to work through and like I don't know it just shows it in this other kind of light that it's just not it's not always just this easy thing right Mm -hmm. yeah there's always like that um that lack of understanding that a a discussion or two would fix but there's always one of the people, which is, it's usually the the father figure who just, they don't have time or they just don't want to listen to that discussion or be part of it because it's too many emotions or it's just a little too much. And they're just like, well, we can't do this right now. Let's, let's do something else. We'll figure it out later. And then of course, something has to happen within all of these stories that make them understand, uh, without the discussion what it is to be a good father or a good father figure to this person who looks up to them or at least wants to to be a part of their life or to be you know part of that that world um which you know is like it, i mean in this story it's it's a sad point because you know he only realizes when ned dies but at the same time you know, I think if Ned lived in this movie, he never would have made it to that point. Right. You know, he would never would have changed or gotten that outlook or, or just sort of, you know, evolved himself kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I mean, two things. One, it's, it's interesting that like, I mean, Ned wasn't even his son, right? Mm -hmm. Like, he wasn't even his son. So, but then um, the other point I wanted to make was like at the end of the film, like, well, I guess to your point, not a point I want to make, but <laughs> at the end of the film, when he like carries the kid on his shoulders and like, it's like uh, down the stairs, it's like he's, he, it's like he's become that kind of like father figure. It's like he's fallen to it. Um, and I think, just visually it's like very in your face at the end when he's like walking away and doing that. Um, but yeah, it's, um, I, I, it is, it's, a. I, I think it's interesting that the, the whole piece about it not being Ned, not being his actual biological son, because it's never really discussed. Like, no. you know, it's just um, Eleanor mentions it to Jane in you know, like a really short scene, like where they're talking to one another. And I think it's the only time they're ever talking to one another in the entire movie. And she mentions it to her and, and then it's never mentioned again. And it's like, did Ned know? Did Steve know? Does Steve even know that? Like, well, you don't know. Like, well, that's the thing, like, because that scene too, um, like, Eleanor mentions that besides her, uh, Steve and, you know, and and she's going to be telling Jane, nobody knows about this. But my thing is, as well as like, I'm thinking this happened, you know, Ned's supposed to be like 30 something years old or whatever. Yeah. And when Eleanor and uh, Susie got married, it was later. So she was in her thirties because he's the second husband. Mm-hmm. And 
you know, maybe before that he wasn't shooting blanks because they said he's shooting blanks because he was, uh, what he's been underwater half his life or whatever. Mm-hmm. But nobody does like a test. Nobody does anything. Uh, you know, Ned's mother believed he was his son. So, mm-hmm. but after he dies, they're just like, you know what? There's no point looking, looking this up. No point checking. Just, I, I now understand this father-son dynamic because of this person who may or may not have been my son. I'm going to choose to believe that he's my son, I think is kind of what happens. Right. Yeah. I mean, Eleanor too, like, I mean, it seems like her grief is like, she's also accepted Ned as her son, but then in, after he dies, Steve asks her whether or not she would have, um, been open to adopting Ned and she said something like he was 30 years old <laughs> mm-hmm. and she's like maybe I would have thought about it but if she doesn't even really answer the question yeah. you know like I guess I don't know it's just interesting because it's like you're just trying to figure out how like they actually feel about it and it's like clearly Steve was like was thought he was his son or wanted to treat him like he was his son in the end but Eleanor even though she was feeling grief like she had lost a son hadn't fully like accepted it which was just yeah I don't know what to make of that I I guess I don't (laughs) well I don't know like I think you know can you adopt a 30 year old like I don't I don't think there's paperwork for that anymore at 30 years old so I think to her, I think I think she's thinking that, that was just stupid, but <laughs> but I, I but I think in the long run, you know, in her mind, the like the the team Zizu was like her adopted family essentially. So to her, it was a moot question. Like you're just like these are these are people that are in my world. These are right. these are my people. It's fine. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I, I don't think she was questioning it. I think she was just thinking what he was saying was dumb. Right. Okay. <laughs> that's Fair that's enough. how that's how I took it. Okay. <laughs> um, I mean, it is in character for her to just be like, "That's just stupid. What is wrong with you?" Yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, should we talk about like kind of like the fantasy like aspect of the movie and like the the like claymation and can we talk about claymation (laughs) it's Um, so beautiful like that's one of the things i love about this movie is the the combination of having like the live action the 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 documentary that they're making and then within it (laughs) this like animation shows up yes Uh, it's really yeah that's one of the things that i that makes this movie so lovable and so whimsical is that whole that claymation bit to it and you know when you especially when you're talking about color oh my god so much color Mm -hmm. because i mean one of the first things you see is the what is it the the rainbow the the crayon rainbow seahorse or whatever and like yes yeah that, that werner gives them yeah. And it's just like, it's just an abundance of color, just all of the colors of the rainbow. 
and it's nice and it's bright and talk about saturation of color, saturated color. And it's just, it's so simple and it's so nice. And then throughout the movie, you just see, you know, random little bits here. And I just like how the, the it, it was never anything too too crazy and it was never meant to be like oh look at this real thing that's here it was all just meant to be like this is clearly fake but it's kind of cool you know yeah it's very like it's childlike right like it's like almost like maybe the way steve sees it you know and i don't know like it's through the eyes of him, I think, like how he sort of sees the world. And it's just like these little like cartoons moving around. <laughs> moving around. Yeah. Um, Cause it's just like, that's like his dream. Right. Like, and then it's like, maybe also like, there's all these people that are like following him. So it's also like their dream. Right. Like they all want that. To, to like become a reality kind of thing to, or to be part of that? To be part of that, yeah. Like it's like this magical kind of thing that, they, they, that they've that spent their whole like childhoods wanting to be like a part of and then they're mm. kind of there in it and they're like literally in it. <laughs> when they go <laughs> down in the submarine and then like the, the sharks like coming um, mm-hmm. Around, swimming around them and it's got it's like almost like glowing spots in the darkness and it's so beautiful and um I don't know it's like that was like it's like the a fantasy right like it is yeah yeah because that scene was very like I don't know like 20,000 leagues under the sea kind of thing where you've got this like tiny boat and you've got this like giant thing mysterious thing in the depth coming at you yeah and yeah, it's just such a, like, the point where it comes in the story and everything as well is just, like, that, like, it's, they build up the emotion in that scene so well, you know, because you go right from, like, Ned dying, Ned funeral, and then you find the Jaguar shark, the thing that killed Esteban, the thing that he set out to destroy, Yeah, and then you find this thing that is just, like, it's a beautiful creature, and he's just, like, yeah, I'm good. Let's go home. You know, like yeah. What did he say earlier? It was like he's not. He went. I'm not gonna kill it. I'm just gonna rough it up. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna fight it, but I'll let it live or something. Yeah. Yeah. It's, he, he said he's making an a, a revenge film. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah. I mean, like, but that's such a crazy way to start the movie, too. Where it's like the first half, and you're actually seeing the second half, and you know, yes, yes, lost his best friend, and he's just like, no, we are gonna kill this thing that killed my best friend, who's you know believed in me my whole life. And they show the the clip of the interview uh, where they're on like a talk show. And the interviewer is just like, oh, Esteban, you're the you're the brains, of the outfit. Then what does Steve Zizu bring? Well, he's the Zizou, you know? He's the Zizou. Zizou, yeah. Well, because I think it just shows that, um, especially with how much he missed Esteban, like, I think Zizou believed that he was the only person who really, like, understood him, not just as, like, an oceanographer or a filmmaker, but as, like, 
a person and his experience and you're like no this was my person this is the person who understood me and you know and now that person is gone so my world is ruined kind of thing do we ever see him Uh, you see you only see him within the like the footage right you don't meet him as like a character within the actual story being told but you do see him in the footage of the in the beginning yes yeah you only see him for like maybe like five minutes throughout the whole movie yeah i don't remember what he looks like (laughs) (laughs) he's bald he's got like a mustache all right Uh, yes He's played by who's he played by? I was like, I had to look up who he's played by because, and I was just like, no way. Um, oh, Seymour, Seymour Castle. If you if you see his face, you'll know exactly who it is. Like he plays in Rushmore. He plays um, the father. What else? Yeah, he's he's done a crap load of things. He's got two hundred and nineteen acting credits. Like, um, I don't know. That's a lot. Okay. Remember now. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I just like everything with it. I have very few notes about this movie because again, I just started watching it and wrote a couple notes and then got lost in everything that was happening. This was a yeah. very easy movie for me not to pick up my phone. Oh, for sure. Yeah, for sure. There's just there's just so much going on. It's like a I'm like overstimulated. Oh my yeah. gosh. It's like, well, and that's the thing. like if, if I had to make notes on everything that caught my eye in this movie, I'd, I'd be here for the next month. Be there all day, all yeah. day. You're trying to write everything down. Yeah. And there's just so many good one liners. Like mm-hmm. there's just like a million of them. Like I just, yeah, I love everything in this movie. Yeah. Um, you know what? I, um, I haven't really seen any Jacques Cousteau, um documentaries i don't know if you've ever watched it i also have never watched any of them i don't um, know where to find them but steve zizo's based on jacques Cousteau. yeah and um i'm just curious to like watch those movies to see like i don't know that much about him like i know a little bit about him like you know he's all, all i literally all i know is like he was uh you know, a nature ocean dude. Mm-hmm. And he talked about stuff sometimes. That's literally all I know. Yeah. Well, he was a <laughs> documentary filmmaker and <laughs> adventurous. Um, but yeah, I just wonder how, like, I'm sure there's not that many similarities mm-hmm. there other than, like, the red hat and, like, the documentary filmmaking and... Um, and the ocean stuff. Ocean stuff. Yeah. Like... I don't know how eccentric he was, but I like he was like well loved by children, and I think mm-hmm. there there were all the the clubs and all that which I, they brought into the film as well. Um, yeah, like because I I remember in like elementary school and stuff we had like his books and stuff when we did like chapters on like the ocean or whatever. You read a book <laughs> with whales, it's like nice pictures in it and stuff. You're like Jacques Cousteau is very cool, yeah. but yeah, yeah, that's that's about it. Mm. Yeah. But I'd, I'd like to hunt down. I'm maybe they're on YouTube or something. I remember looking a few years ago trying to find them because mm-hmm. I love documentaries too. I just I watch a ton of documentaries and um, I was trying to find them because I wanted to watch them. But 
I, I wasn't successful, but maybe now that like someone's uploaded. Them but somewhere. are they more? Are they more? They're, they're kind of like nature films, like National Geographic kind of stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. I put that like I know technically it's the same, but I put that kind of stuff in a completely different category than than documentaries. Oh, sure. Yes. There's still I mean, documentaries, but yes. Yeah. <laughs> but no, but I like I like watching the nature ones too. I like the I don't know. I think the nature ones make me sad because I want all of them to live, but I know, yes. you know, in the nature, the lion's gonna eat the the thing. That's I never know who I'm rooting for. <laughs> You're like, oh the lions and the cute cubs. Like, the lion's eat. hungry. Yeah. Oh, you've eaten the, the antelope. Yay. Yeah. Their yeah. tiny faces are covered in blood. Awesome. Oh, the worst is like it's fine if that they are following the lion all along and then you know the lion's got to eat and you're rooting for the lion and then it kills the zebra but the films where they follow both the zebra and the lion and so you see the the zebra's life and the lion's life and then they you see them slowly starting to come closer to one another and you don't know who to root for because like, there's no, no there's no hero in a documentary. Exactly. I mean, technically they're animals. There's no hero at all. They're just like, I have yeah. to live and I have to, to live. I have to eat. And that is it. But, yeah, you know, because, because us <laughs> they never humans, eat. <laughs> you know. Yeah, it's not like we don't eat, you know, animals and stuff or anything. It's fine. I buy my animals in a grocery store. So obviously they're not real. Yeah, they were never alive, Tracy. You know, no, there's no way. I have told this surprisingly to a lot of people. But if when the apocalypse comes, I will become a vegan easily because I cannot kill things. I Tracy just started this talking about alive and how I had to choose live on this show. <laughs> Which one of my friends I would eat? Yeah. And you're telling me you won't even like kill a chicken. But that's the thing. Those people are already dead. I can eat chicken because the chicken's already dead. When I go to the grocery store, I get yeah. a chick piece of chicken or a whole chicken. It's already dead and I cook it. Fine. Yeah. That is okay. But you yeah. hand me a live chicken and yeah. you're like, kill this chicken. I'll be like, I'm okay. Thank you. But if you were hungry enough. I mean, I guess anybody gets to that point, but I don't well, know. Well, I'll probably get to this point later in 2022. That is true. We'll all see how we react <laughs> when we're hungry. Exactly. You're like, what? A piece of chicken is $35? Well, hmm. We Which home. one of my friends am I going to eat tonight? So I'm like, hey, Jamie, how's it going? Ah, just go. It's fine. <laughs> It's gonna be a great year. Yeah, it's gonna be awesome. I mean, you know, there's there there's always a flow to the apocalypse. You know, you gotta <laughs> you gotta start with a, a loss of some sort of um, commodity or item that everybody needs. Then there's just a societal collapse. Then you know the cannibalism happens, right. and then the factions begin. You know, so you know, so. Yeah. We're, we're, we're in between the, the loss of commodity and collapse of society. So we're, we're, right. we're in there. Yeah. We're at part two. Like we need like a board that just says like with a pin, like you are here and like the, the apocalypse all around us. Exactly. Exactly. What's yes. the arrow pointing <laughs> towards that? To do the different thing. Yeah. That's, that's all you need. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So in between those two things, I mean, I, I don't want to kill any animals. 
but who knows what will happen when I'm really hungry and a little kitten runs by. No. Just don't name it. (laughs) Just don't name it. Don't give it a name. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm really, that's really dark. I'm so sorry. (laughs) Well, I mean, you could edit it out, but. I could. (laughs) They should know the real you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yes. That I am a wimp until I'm hungry. Then it's fine. I wanted to show you my poster, which is the sinking of the Bellefonte. It's attacked by an octopus. It's being attacked by an octopus. And there's a submarine. And I got it. There's like this um, art gallery in San Francisco. And they do like themes, I guess, Mm -hmm. every like couple months. Um, and so they did like a movie poster one where it was like artist rendition of like their favorite like movie and they just create their own posters. Yeah. Um, so I got this one and I love I it. I love it. Yeah. I only have like three pieces of art in my apartment on my walls and two of the three are life aquatic posters. <laughs> I can uh, see why a, you wanted to do this episode then. Yeah. Mm. Oh, just to show off my posters. <laughs> but I love them. But they're both like, um, like, just like prints, like artists that did them. And, mm-hmm. Which I like because I don't really want like a movie, movie poster, you yeah. know, like with like everybody's names on it and like, you know, actors, mm-hmm. directors and everything. It just doesn't have the same feel as like kind of like somebody just like made this they were inspired by the movie and they made this and it's cute and fun yeah I like a lot of the minimalist posters that they they put out sometimes for movies you know it's just like you know a shock of color and like the idea of the film just nicely visualized in a certain way with the title that's it yeah beautiful yeah that's what I like too it gets too busy like it does with all the like writing and like the big block at the bottom that's all text and yeah or when and they come like, soon across it, you know, like, right. yeah, and they'll list like all the actors' names at the tops, and it's just like it's too busy. I don't mm. want that in my room. I'm not 17. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I used to have all those posters in my room. Yeah. Mm. Yes. Um, what else? I don't know. Like I said, I don't have a lot of. Oh, that's one thing I wanted to talk about. So. One thing that bothered me about this movie, uh, which is is actually like a pretty big plot point in the movie, is um, Zizu's love or like or want to like of Jane. Um, but Jane likes Ned, right? Yeah. And I always think it's weird when, not just in films, but in like real life as well, if like two people like somebody, but that but that person likes one of them or neither of them, they're automatically just like, you're supposed to be mine. And you're just like, no, this other person has like emotions themselves. Just because you want them doesn't mean they want you. And I'm always just like, you guys, this is a lot. Why are you doing this? Not necessary. So you, sorry, you're bothered by the fact that Steve liked her and 
was like wouldn't let it go kind of thing is that what you yeah mean? like he he kept saying like you know i liked her she was mine oh. what are you doing where <laughs> she made a choice she's like right well, I think it was funny, you know, like it was supposed to be funny, like that he was like, yeah, she's I mean, fine when it's like so clearly that she is not his. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, especially like the part where they they're at like the top of the boat and he's like, well, I'm going to fight you or whatever. Yeah. Um, And he's just like going on and on about, you know, about her and. Like he just, they just, he has just like no considerations for her feelings in, in any way, shape or form. Yeah. And he, she didn't slight him and she didn't do him anything. Um, yeah. But I think that also happens in real life pretty regularly and why like so many quote unquote crimes of passion happen um, that are so sad and so depressing and all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. But, but I think it's, a, it's, it's another reason why Steve doesn't fit the like hero right that he's supposed to be right and it's like for her like going in there like she also thought of him as this figure like she looked up to since she was a little girl and then he's just ruining it for her right and Mm -hmm. it's I don't know kind of like his it's just all kind of coming undone that it's just like it was all fake and it's not this documentary like you know that he's he's made all these hit documentaries and like none of them are real like it's like he is not like who they thought he was and then they all have to like figure it out like themselves without him you know yeah yeah well and i think that's the scene at the end where um he goes up to her and he's like thank you for giving me a draft of the the article or whatever and he's like um and she asks I think she asks like what did you think of it and he says at first he was really embarrassed about it but he's like no this is this is who I am this is what I did and you were honest yeah. about it and you're a good writer because because I think I think he was expecting her to just like tear into him in some way you know mm-hmm. but I think what she wrote was just was probably just a literal account of what happened yeah, it's like the um, first time that truth is being told. Told, yeah. And he was just like, and he's like, oh, I can, I think I can face this now. That this is, yeah, this it's is like, who I, I am. I think, yeah, it's like he's accepting that it's just like who he really is. And like, mm-hmm. he hasn't been, he's been living in this like fantasy with like all these fake animals and like sea creatures and everything it's just like it's all fantasy it's all a set it's all fake and then in the end it's like she wrote the truth about him and he's finally I don't know what the change was so like what was the change I guess it was Ned's death that made him well I think it was both like I think he he set out on this revenge thing for Esteban but throughout the whole movie, it's very clear he's not over the death of Esteban. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, but then when he gets not really distracted, but, you know, forms this new relationship with Ned and that's also taken away. I think the veil of the fantasy is lifted kind of thing. Um, and at the, at the end of the movie, like you see him sitting on the steps outside. He doesn't even want to watch the film that's been put out because I think he can't handle probably how honest it is. Mm-hmm. But 
you also realize he's won the award for it because it's like the best thing he's ever done. Yeah. And I think he realizes that not living in this fantasy and putting out the truth is the way to really live and to succeed and to, to, to be accepted for in in like the world that he wants to be accepted in. I agree. Yeah. Makes sense. But I, and I think that's like, you know, Werner coming out and sitting beside him and um, he's given him Ned's um, team Zisu ring. Mm -hmm. Um, He's sort of like, I think I could be a father figure kind of thing. To to no one. (laughs) To no one in particular, but you know. No one in particular. Yes. But all the followers, this team, these two followers. Exactly. Yeah. I think he's just, he's just thinking now that he's like, I I could be a better person or maybe not. Maybe, you know, a week later, he's just like, fuck it. I'm an asshole still. I don't know. Yeah. I, I think Klaus too said that um, he thought of him as a father, even though he's older than him. Yeah. He was to Klaus. He's like, I've always thought of you as a little brother. And then Klaus was like, I always thought of you as a father. <laughs> <laughs> I love Klaus so much. <laughs> he steals every scene that he's in on every word that he says, yeah. even though he doesn't actually say that many words throughout the movie. Yes. But he's yeah. uh Willem Dafoe's so good as Klaus. I love it. He is so good in it. Um, and to bring it back to the other movie, there's two Klauses. That is very true. Another another thing that goes together. I didn't realize that until we started talking. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, wait a second. I didn't realize it until you said it actually. I was like, there's two I'm like, there's a lot of similarities between these movies. Mm-hmm. And I believe there's a little bit of claymation in a series of unfortunate events as well. So yeah, yeah. I don't know about claymation. I'm trying to think where there's claymation, but there is that the first part of it is animated. It is uh, yes, because it's like that move that you think you're watching a different movie. Yes, which I actually oh, yeah. thought I was watching the wrong movie for a second. <laughs> yeah, when the movie started too, I was very confused. I'm like, is this the right thing? Well, and then, I, then I thought I, I was like, oh, it's one of those like, you know, you know how sometimes you get like a Disney movie that has like a short at the beginning and then. And then yes. the movie comes. I thought maybe that was it. Well, I was watching it like like an illegal copy of it off YouTube, <laughs> and like so I thought maybe someone just like put the wrong thing in because I didn't think I'd be able to get it for free on YouTube, right? Because yeah. it's like it's Paramount. Is it Paramount? No, it's DreamWorks. I think DreamWorks. Yeah. So either way, I was like, I it's I don't like there's it's probably gonna have been taken down right and but then i clicked on it and it was playing and then i was like wait a second this is like something else and then i like <laughs> fast forwarded it through i'm like oh yeah this is a movie <laughs> that's totally it mm-hmm. um, oh no it's, yeah yeah no it's paramount dreamworks nickelodeon yeah but it's not on um paramount plus really yeah i'm surprised i, I would think that's where it would be i like downloaded for my free seven day trial there is like nothing on there and not even this which is like why isn't this on there what are you talking about i'm gonna say it watch all of the star treks what are you talking about star trek yeah it's on paramount plus 
Well, I guess it's on Crave in Canada. It's on Crave in no, Canada. Okay. You can still watch all the watch Star Treks. I'm just watching saying. Watch it on Crave. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm not going to. <laughs> uh, you should. Thank you. Uh, I just don't know that I want to watch all of it. You know? <laughs> Fine. Maybe one episode a year. <laughs> We'll pick some good episodes for you. Don't worry. We'll get you into it. We'll make you a fan. Okay. Totally going to make you a fan. I probably would like the show. It's just, I've never, I don't know. It's like, I don't know where to, I don't know. And I guess too, it's a lot of content to like catch up on as well. Like I find it really, yeah. Like I find it really daunting to like, they're like, oh, you should watch this thing. There's 800 episodes. You're like, no, No. I just don't want to start there. Yeah. Yeah, I feel yeah. overwhelmed by any show like somebody tells me to watch that like has like a, a jillion episodes. It's like I don't, I don't want to commit to this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I just like as a kid, I never liked Star Trek, and you, so I just you, had a, you obviously had a horrible childhood if you didn't like Star Trek. I'm just well, say, my so. brother used to make me watch it and didn't want to watch it. Oh, see, that's what it is. See, I think it's just an automatic resistance to it because you were forced to like it. It was so boring. Like when I was young, like it was what? just like, oh, it was so boring. Oh my God. There's intrigue and there's like ethics and there's drama and there's action and there's, oh, it has all of the elements. I don't like any of those things. You're, you're crazy. That's all I'm saying. Well, um, we made this, Tracy. <laughs> I've been saying it for years. <laughs> Just look. This is what I said about. <laughs> look at me, Tracy. Look at me. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. I've had my Star Trek talk. It's fine. Glad you got it out with me. Yeah. I got it in there. Can't <laughs> help it. Uh, <laughs> um. So okay. So well, what are your your final thoughts on these two movies? final thoughts uh um i mean i like them both obviously i i like life aquatic like a a million times more but um but i'm glad i i rewatched a series of unfortunate events it's been a while um and i want to go back and watch the series because i know i did really enjoy the first season at least and i don't know if i ever finished it um, mm-hmm. So I'd like to go and do that. And maybe we can talk about that some other time. Ooh, and yes, I'd be down for, for that. Anyone who just sat through this whole thing listening and hasn't watched either of those movies yet. Get out there. Get out there. Do you got to do it. You can do it with your time that you're listening to this. And not <laughs> Trust me, you have to have some knowledge of both of the movies to understand anything that we've just said. Okay. And even if you've watched both of those movies, they probably don't understand anything we just said. Like, what is she talking about? That didn't happen. What's yeah. the thing with the duck? I don't know. It's fine. Yeah, the duck <laughs> was... I'm going to go back and watch the duck scene. Because <laughs> that went right over my head. It's literally... <laughs> that's it. That's the whole scene. <laughs> Why? Sometimes things just trigger in my brain. It just happens. Yeah. I don't know. It's a weird thing. <laughs> um, I do agree with you with these. I, I did like both of them. Uh, Life Aquatic is, I, I don't, I just think it's one of the, the best things ever. So definitely watch both of them. But I think 
like the problem with Unserious Performing Event, you said it earlier, it just feels unfinished. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying this is a bad movie. I actually think it's a pretty good movie, but you'll definitely get more out of the series than watching the movie. But maybe do both and you could see how, you know, like, uh, what is it? Uh, NPH does uh, Count Olaf in the TV show. Mm-hmm. That portrayal is very interesting in both of them, even though they do kind of the same thing, but there's nuances that are really cool that I like about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's it. That's all I got. I don't know. It's your final thought. Yeah. I don't know. I want to talk more about life, but I, I'm just going to start saying things like, oh, so good. This part's really good. I like this part too. This part's so good. What about this part? There's oh, so many. Hold on. We did not talk about what is his Mark, um, uh, the guy who does like the music, the, the guy who's from Devo, who does um, a lot of the music for the movie. What is his oh, name? He has a weird name. Mark Motherbow. Motherbow? Yes. So he's a guy from Devo. Um, and a lot uh, a lot of the music in it, so like the parts where like the Ping Island Rescue, um, the part where they they they're going swimming and they're just like, oh, music pumps into our headsets, blah blah blah. Um, and a lot of just like the uh not really the score, but like like when Sue George technically isn't singing, it's it's him, it's his music. Um, I I love that stuff. That stuff is amazing, uh, especially the Ping Island Rescue one. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm jibber jabbering now. Never mind. I don't know. Yeah, no. Like I, I think the music throughout the whole movie is is fantastic. It's like for, from beginning to end. There's a lot, lot of different music in there. Um, there's also um, I think. Iggy and the Stooges are in it at one point too. It's like there's the yep. sound is pretty like I don't have yeah, it in got, front of me. You got but. the zombies, you've got uh Scott Walker. Um there's a few like classical minuets and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I don't like was there just such a way, or whoever he picks to do, do the music has such a way of evoking all of the correct emotions in the different scenes even if it's just like an interstitial like 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 especially picking like why why have sue george sing specifically david bowie songs at random points throughout the film who who comes up with that idea but at the same time it works so well as like in the transition moments throughout the film and all that kind of stuff and you're just like this it just puts you in like the right mood and it puts you in the right space of mind and it just works out so beautifully yeah yeah i think too it's like the a lot of time it's obviously like they're choosing big songs like that are very popular and everybody knows and to be able to incorporate them into the movie and then it becomes like every time I hear that song, I think of the movie. Like it's yeah. like they're able to do that, and um, it's it's pretty awesome, and 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 it's energizing. There's something about it. it's like even though it's like familiar and song I've heard a million times before, and then it's like in there, it's just like there's something that's like it's 
I don't know. It's nostalgic. It's fun. It's energizing. It's cool. It's, I don't know. I like, I, I like all the soundtracks of like every Wes Anderson movie. It's like yeah. so many great songs and they always work really well with like the scene. It just becomes like the scene becomes like so iconic with like the music and, and everything. It's just, it's just so well done. So well done. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, and it never, I, like, I know this will sound really stupid, especially watching a Wes Anderson movie where everything is so meticulous and extra. I always feel, like, surprisingly like he's not trying, you know? He's like, this is just the thing that I do and this is how I do it. Without being like, no, it has to be this kind of scene, if you understand what I mean. It just... Because he like makes it look so fun and like yeah, I think that like, maybe that's what it is. Yeah, it's never like so... this scene when like the pirates come on and like Steve's just running through like <laughs> firing and like shooting and it's not hitting anybody. It's not violent, but it's yeah. like just like so like it looks so effortless and like they did that in one take, you know? And it's just so <laughs> fun, yeah. but so good, right? Mm-hmm. Too, it's just like yeah. That's so great. And like the explosions too. They're just like blowing up stuff. Like just like for fun. Like it's just so unnecessary. It's like all of a sudden there's a giant explosion. Like what is happening here? What is this? Why is this happening? But like, it's just fun. Let's just throw it in there. Why not? I'm down for it. Yeah. 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 Okay. I really had to get that part in there. That's fair. I wanted to talk about music too. So, and we did talk, um, about two George at the beginning too yeah. but yeah no like the rest of the soundtrack is just fantastic as well like I own the soundtrack for this movie and I just like I, lo- I love it like on CD like is that what you mean yes like on CD I'm, I'm like how do you own it or like <laughs> like I downloaded it on Spotify this month like <laughs> no no I have the physical CD that I digitized and it is part of my mp3 list of mp3s that I have you still have, have your CDs? Do you like yes. physically have the CDs? Physically well, have the CDs. Once you're done your DVD collection, you know what you got to do next. Oh my God. I don't even know where, like, I, I guess I could talk about music, but I would, I would just be a lot of like, oh my God, this line's good and this line's good. And did you hear the crescendo? And that was it. That's, yeah. that's a lot of it. <laughs> find an interesting take on it and maybe it's not actually focusing on the music itself but like maybe um about how the album was made or that artist or like some other like interesting aspects around the album like you know rather than specifically like just the thing hurting out about music which I don't think any of us could do that well but like um but yeah like there's so much history around the albums themselves and how they got made and who was involved and why they were made and you know um all that stuff and there's always like fun little like you research them like fun little stories true. I, don't I don't know just maybe a that's thought. maybe that's the thing that's gonna happen at some point in time well i mean you're at l yeah <laughs> I mean i have i have a little ways to go with the dvds so <laughs> Maybe in a little while. In a little while. In a little while. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Um, okay. Well, thank you so much, Jamie, for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Tracy. Yay. Um, this was a very lovely discussion because I like, I, I like, we ended up agreeing that we do like both of these movies, but Life Aquatic, I was very happy to talk about. Me too. Yay. I might go watch it again now. <laughs> <laughs> I did watch it only like three or four hours ago. So I guess yeah. you weren't working today. <laughs> don't, don't tell anybody. No. <laughs> I did lots of quote unquote work today. What are you talking about? Mm-mm. It's fine. <laughs> uh, well, that's it for this episode of Off My Shelf. Until next time, you can follow along on Instagram and Twitter at Oh My Shelf, or you can send an email to ohmyshelf at gmail.com. On the next episode, we'll be talking about Little Miss Sunshine and The Little Princess. Hope you'll be here to listen. Bye.